Yes, indeed. This is the place to be for franchisors and those wishing to franchise or grow their business. Today's uh, radio show is titled Free Up Your Time, How to Succeed Using Overseas Resources. I'm, uh, I'm really, really happy to have a man with me that I've been trying to speak to for a while, Monty. Monty Hook is, uh, is an entrepreneur almost by birthright. Um, when he was eight years old, he started a, his own business as an entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author. He's sought after as a public speaker. He's the founder of a group of offshore outsourcing companies, including the one we're discussing today, EasyVA. Um, he is a well-known authority on the topics of leverage and building teams. He's helped hundreds of businesses scale using different practices and so on. And he serves on the board of several companies. So, Monty, wonderful to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much, Brian. Awesome to uh, awesome to be on the show. Anything you want to add to the, uh, the introduction there? No, mate. You, uh, I think that was beautiful. That was lovely. Very, uh, very, <laughs> uh, very good for my ego. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. So, there's a few questions I'd like to run through with you, and we'll see what pops up in the course of our call. I might mention to people that are listening today, um, you know, make sure you've got your notebook, you've got a pen or pencil with you, make a few notes, have your highlighter, and if you've got questions, um, please get back in touch with me, and I'll introduce you to um, to Monty to be able to respond to those. And at the end of the call, we've got a very nice and attractive free offer that Monty's uh, agreed to make for us. So uh, the first thing I'll start with, down to down to nuts and bolts, really, um, because I think these days everyone's familiar with the concept of outsourcing, using overseas staff, VAs, and so forth, but a lot of people are reluctant to do it. Um, and so you're, I think, the man to answer the questions. What, what do you see as some of the pros and cons of hiring staff offshore, Monty? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess part of the uh, the issue is that um, you know there there's uh, there's a lot of misconception, I guess, about uh, what what makes it work. Um, you know, a lot of the solutions that are out there for entrepreneurs for small businesses are what I call do it yourself. So, you know, the, probably most people listening are familiar with you know platforms like Fiverr or Upwork or Elance, you know, Odesk, that type of thing. And that's really where you get connected with a with a resource, um, you know, from another country. Obviously, there's people from all around the world, especially you know throughout Asia, and there's a lot of um, outsourcing centers popping up in Eastern Europe and even in Central and South America. Um, now, most of those you know people you connect with are freelancers, right? And freelancers typically work for themselves; they want to work for themselves. Um, so there's a lot of holes, you know. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with um, you know working with freelancers. Uh, and in the, in the process, you know, my belief is in the process of, of scaling, in the process of uh, building, a, uh, building a business, um, what you don't need is you don't need freelancers because freelancers are inconsistent and, you know, if you want to scale, what you need is a long-term permanent asset in, in, in your business. Um, somebody, you know, I, I like people to view building an offshore team in the same way that you would view you know, hiring locally. So if you're going to bring somebody to come in and work from your shop or work from your your, your, your office or your restaurant, um, you know, of course you want somebody to be there as long-term as possible. You know, if you hire somebody, you're hoping they're going to be with you for years. Uh, so the really you should be viewing the hiring of offshore staff in the same way. However, the freelancer model, the freelancer platforms don't really um, you know, facilitate that. They don't really allow for that. Um, so I guess one of the, the, the big barriers for, for people is, is really understanding uh, what's out there and what's going to be right for the, what's going to be what's going to be right for them. 
Yeah, certainly. Look, I think a lot of us can uh, express experience of that. I've certainly found that using people like Elance and so on. Found some brilliant copywriters. They just get to know our business, really putting some good material together. And then suddenly they've got other activities and they disappear and you start again. So yeah, that's frustrating. So I, I suppose having said that, you know, when we start to look at our business properly, there's a lot of different activities, a lot of different roles we have in any business. And often as a smaller business, you know, the, the CEO or the management, small management team are really balancing lots of balls in the air. And um, what things do you see are the ideal sort of things to be outsourced? Yeah. Um, so before mentioning what the specifics of those activities might be, um, it's, it's good just to mention, I guess, how to go about thinking of, uh, you know, what, um, uh, what parts of your business could be, could be outsourced or could be uh, done remotely. Um, and the analogy that I use is that, look, if you wanted to, if you wanted to build a house, right, you wouldn't, you know, you have a vision of how you want the house to look. You wouldn't go to the bricklayer, right? And that bricklayer is the, you know, the person, the, the end person, you know, putting the, you know, doing, doing the work. Um, a lot of people go into the outsourcing scenario looking for the bricklayer, right? So they go, all right, well, I need my marketing handled. And instead of um, going to an architect who is going to draw up the blueprints for what is your marketing or whatever, you know, whatever it is, they try to go straight to the bricklayer, right? So in, in, in the case we're talking about, a lot of people say, all right, I need my marketing done or I need somebody to come in as a, a VA or whatever. Um, and they go, they try to go direct to that person. They find them online somewhere. Um, and, um, whilst that person might have the skills to facilitate the tasks, um, the business owner is looking for the architecture through that person. So they haven't mapped out properly what are the tasks. They haven't drawn out the blueprint of what that person is going to be working on. So in the thought, you know, before even going into the thought of, you know, hiring remotely, hiring offshore, you really need to make sure, you know, you really need to do the thinking and the architecture of what that staff is going to be doing. So, um, so rather than plugging a staff into, you know, a, a, a concept like your marketing, something too ambiguous, something too high level, you're plugging somebody in really just to facilitate, just to work on very set, you know, tasks, uh, you know, from a protocol, I guess, that you, you've, you've found out from your business. So what we like to do with, uh, with business owners is, is to really go through a process of what we call unpacking. And that's really, you know, getting the business owner to deconstruct what's actually happening in, in the business um, and be super, super clear, you know, on, on re-engineering what they've unpacked to create a system or a process or a protocol which the, the staff can, uh, can be plugged into. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely. It's like the core concept of franchising. When we start working someone through a franchise program and put their operations manuals together and everything else, the first thing we do is have an organisation chart. And that's basically your unpacking. Because, yeah. uh, the analogy is exactly the same. So I think people listening will have a good understanding of that. And, okay. and, and I guess there's a little bit of um, risk in that, uh, risk in that as well, because you know when people are going into a franchise, you know, uh, a, a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking generally, I guess, is that because quite often the systems are so well packaged up and there's really nothing you need to think about. Um, you know, you, you really kind of have everything put out on the, on the, on a silver platter for you in terms of how you're going to operate, how you're going to run the business, what systems are there, who you, who you need, how everything looks, how everything's structured, how you do your, your accounts and everything's, everything's mapped out. But when it then comes to looking beyond that and, because you know, a lot of franchises, um, you know, don't have the nuts and bolts of, 
how are you going to do your social media? How are you going to, you know, how do you, if you're going to put in a, an assistant to help you with your day, you know, your day to day admin and things like that. Stuff like that isn't, isn't map, isn't mapped out. So, um, if, um, if people kind of have that mindset that everything's kind of done for me already, then a lot of people I think can, can come on, do come on, do come unstuck. So, Absolutely. Mm, yeah. So, uh, look, if you want me to mention, you, you, you want me to go through some of the, the, the very common things, which is, you know, I guess the low-hanging fruit for, for business owners? I think so, because it's where do you start? You're not, you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of people say, well, I'm not prepared to put all my eggs in the one basket. Let's, yeah. let's put our toe in the water, feel the temperature. Sorry, we're using so many anecdotes and analogies here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, perhaps far, far away with what, what you would suggest would be the way to start if you've got a small to medium-sized business and you want to em- embark on, um, you know, using using outsourcing for overseas. Sure. Sure. So, look, in the in the process of, you know, building a small business, you know, it's a, a common scenario for us is we come across a business owner, you know, either they've built it themselves or they've, you know, been in a franchise or whatever, and they already have their core core staff, right? So uh, they have their, their core team. But then typically what happens is the, the business owner then uh, for a long time gets trapped in the day-to-day, right? So most, well, everybody, everybody that I've ever met goes into business thinking that somewhere down the line they're going to have some freedom, right? They work hard, you know, they're going to go into business um, and it's going to give them some freedom. But 99% of the time that's not the case. They end up getting trapped in the, trapped in the business. So many things you need to think about. So what I always kind of get people to do is look for the low-hanging fruit. And the low-hanging fruit is, is generally in places where a lot of people don't look, especially in, the, in, in, the, you know, in their day-to-day, in their, their own productivity. So, you know, a lot of people, as an example, put so much um, uh, importance on emails, right? So, you know, you're sitting there at your desk and you're, there's emails coming through all, all, all day and you're just kind of checking your email, emails all day, not really thinking that through, right? But if you, if you really want to have a bigger business, if you really want to have the right people around you, you've got to be thinking on the, on, the, on the next level. So I guarantee you people like Richard Branson are not sitting there all day, you know, looking at their emails, mm. looking at their emails, right? So, you know, to, to, to put in, you know, what we would generally call, uh, you know, a, a virtual assistant, somebody who could help, you know, either you or a few of the core, core people in the business, the managers, in some of the admin tasks, and you getting your time back. So it's really um, helping you to get the highest level of productivity and efficiency um, that you can operate within in in your business so that you get the maximum amount of time back to you. You're really leveraging yourself. So as a business owner, business owners should, they really shouldn't be focused on doing everything and being the jack of all trades. They really should be focused on what what they are really good at and then putting other people around them. So... If you can get some of your time back by giving away the low end, the menial stuff, which somebody else offshore could do for, you know, for, for not much money at all, you know, compared to what you'd be paying in a country like Australia or, or, um, you know, any Western country really. Um, so putting a virtual assistant in to help you with your admin, sorting out your emails, um, preparing re- reports, preparing documents, um, you know, help you with, even with like bookkeeping and making appointments. Obviously, everybody's circumstances are going to be different depending on the business and what the what the tasks are, what the responsibilities are, are, are in that business. Um, but really, it's it's actually quite 
um, easy to put a virtual assistant in to help you get your personal time back. So that's really you know a good place to a good place to start right. looking. Now the, the reason that's a good place is because in the process, in the the world of having a, a small business, even if it's a systemized thing like being in a franchise. All the systems of the business are sorted out, but the systems of how you run your day are generally not sorted out because that just becomes an unconscious exercise for the entrepreneur that they just go through their day doing what they you know know to do. So to be able to unpack that, deconstruct that, and re-engineer that in such a way that you could then get other people to do fifty percent of those tasks, you know, even if you don't put in a virtual assistant, it's a useful exercise to do because then you kind of realize, oh, holy crap, I'm spending three hours a day just checking my, just going through my emails. And then it just gives you a level of awareness that, um, you know, you could, you potentially should be, um, you know, operating a, a bit more productively. Um, so another, uh, another area which is very, very common for us, um, is, is marketing. So especially social media. Um, so. <clears throat> Now I know this is very different for for some franchises because you know a, a lot of the marketing is kind of taken care of by by head office, um, but you know if, as an individual branch, if you're doing your own marketing, doing your own social media, doing your own campaigns, um, having you know a virtual assistant to help you with that because social media marketing online, digital marketing only works with consistency. It's not something you can do every two weeks or once a month and you know hope it's going to work. You've got to be doing. You've got to be putting out content all day, every day. Um, that's the only way social media works. Um, and then there's obviously very, very specific roles. Um, so to kind of give you an idea, we work with uh, we work with a lot of um, business in the financial space um, and you know customer customer service. Um, so anything that can be done over a phone, anything that can be done you know without a face to face interaction. Um, you know, can quite easily be done. We're based in the Philippines here. We have offices here, um, so it's very, very common for us to have a team of people here. Um, you know, doing the customer service, which is either via email or chat over the over the phone, etc. Um, that's you know very, very uh, easy to do. Anything to do with uh, accounting, like bookkeeping, um, payroll, administration. Um, you know, online stores like e-commerce, e uh, web development. All the graphic design. So basically, be thinking through anything that doesn't need a face-to-face -face interaction that could be done online. So I guess the way to get people to think about it is, if you were going to, if you could hire somebody locally and put them in an office where there was no door and you couldn't see them, yeah. right? Um, you know, if you could hire somebody that way and work with them in that regard, right, you kind of feel that they're there. You know that they're there working for you and with you, um, but you just never see them. If you could think about it that way, then you could hire somebody remotely because the uh, the interaction that you're going to have with that person and the way you structure them um, is going to be the same because uh, a lot of people assume the offshoring, the outsourcing is like, you know, you, you kind of, that person you're working with is a separate entity, um, but that's the wrong way to think about it. So you should always be hiring and working with people in the same way that you would hire, uh, hire and work with them locally. So integrating them into the team, the culture, the team meetings, and et cetera, et cetera. That's brilliant advice, and I think you're right with emails. They've grown so much in the last two or three years that uh, they are inevitably a distraction for everybody. So uh, it takes a bit of discipline, but goodness me, the, the, the difference it makes. And I think it's training your your respondents, isn't it? I mean, our audience of franchisors or prospective franchisors growing their businesses, um, it's actually training your the people you communicate with 
not to expect you to jump on every email in, in, you know, in 30 seconds, but you've got somebody picking it up and alerting you when there is something that's a priority. Um, is that something that you, you know, your people do? Is that the sort of way that it's, uh, that it's done? Yeah. So, so, so look, at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, if you didn't respond to somebody's email in, you know, obviously there's times when there's important emails coming through, but, in most cases, if you didn't respond to somebody's email within 30 minutes and you responded to them once a day, nobody's going to be nobody's going to be annoyed, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's quite easy to create a system with your emails. As an example, um, like with with my staff, emails coming through put into one of four categories. Um, so first category being, you know, it can be just filtered out as spam or it's just you know something that doesn't need to be handled. All right. Um, the second uh, the, on the other end of the spectrum, there's only emails that I can handle. Okay, so meaning the staff is checking the emails. I'm not looking at the inbox, right? The staff checks the emails. If there's something only I can respond to, um, which is just for me, it goes into a folder, and then I'll check that one. You know, I'll check that once a day. Um, if it's really important, right, or it seems important, the VA will send me a message. So they, uh, we use Skype for our communication, but you can have. Um, uh, you could have, um, you know, a, a messenger. You could use Facebook, whatever's you know the, the best channel of, of communication for you personally. Um, and that person sends sends a message saying, "Hey, respond to this ASAP. It looks important." Um, the the other two categories of emails coming through are uh, ones that the staff know to respond to, so they've been trained over time on how to respond to certain things. So, meaning they send it to another department or. Um, you know, they can re they can reply to the email themselves. It's like, hey, I need to rebook a meeting. There's no reason you as a business owner need to handle that. You could have somebody doing that for you. Um, and then that last category of, of emails is emails coming through that could be uh, handled by the VA but haven't yet been trained to. So that then goes into a, a different folder. Um, and then I work with this. That's where I'm working with the staff over time to train them on how to handle those things. Um, and then, you know, kind of after six months, there's not much of that left. You know, after a few months, they pretty well uh, integrated into the business, understand you know, what's what. Um, so, yes, there's a, a process of training. It's not a magic bullet, um, but it's worth it in the long run. Look, and I think any any progress you have, whether you're implementing new software platforms or you're putting on new team members, expanding, opening a new branch, whatever it is, it's it's always... You know, it's always fraught with issues. It's just a fact of life. If, if, you, if you expect it to be plain sailing, you shouldn't put your boat in the water. It's as simple as that, I think. So, um, now that's really well explained. Thanks for the clarity on that. So, um, so it sounds to me, if I was getting started, I'd be looking at those emails, as you say, things like maybe social media where you can build up that continuity. Um, yeah. Well, well, look, just, you know, if, for people listening to this who are kind of maybe considering, oh, well, maybe there's an opportunity for using virtual assistants, right, and they want to investigate that. Um, the best thing to do is look at, um, is do an analysis of how you and the core people, in, you know, whatever the other managers are, how are, how are you spending your days, right? So what's, you know, what's the, what's the nuts and bolts of the tasks, right? So... <clears throat> Um, the important thing also is, is not just for you, but your, your core managers, right? Because what you actually want as a business owner to scale and do the best job possible is you want your managers to be working only on the high value activities. A lot of people, business owners, I see have this mindset of, uh, I've just got to get my staff, you know, doing as much as possible, being as efficient as possible. 
but quite often what happens is um, you know, important people in the business get caught up doing menial activities, right? Mm. And so as an example, you know, somebody who's put in as a secretary, right? Secretaries turn over all the time, right? Because they're not happy about their jobs, yeah. probably because they're not fulfilled because they're not adding the most value possible, right? Whereas if you could find what's the 50% that they're doing that they are the most valued in the business, and if they could only work on that, then they're gonna add more value to the business, they're gonna be excited, and if you had a team of people just operating like that, you've got a team of high-performing people. And then, so the idea is, if you could support yourself and the core people in the business with you know, a, one or two people off, offshore, Handling the menial stuff, handling the low value, then you've got a high, you've got a high, high-performing team. That makes a lot of sense. You're very convincing, I've got to say. So, um, all right. So, what should I be aware of? What are the sorts of issues? You mentioned a few in passing as we've been talking, but what are the, some of the particular things people should look out for if they're embarking on this journey? Yeah, so look, the most important thing before going into it and where we see the, the biggest errors is not doing that preparation. So if you, you know, the, the, the useful exercise for you and the core people in the business, just have a notepad next to your desk for two weeks and just have the awareness of what are you doing every day, right? So every time you're doing a task, just write it down, right? And then next, at the end of two weeks, do a review and say, could this task be outsourced or, or do I have? Handle it right. You'd be very, very surprised what you what you come up with after after two weeks. If you've done the thinking on that and you can create a job description, create a role out of doing that thinking, that actually is a is the most important thing before embarking on it. Rather than just saying, "Hey, you know, we know we need somebody. We're not willing to kind of you know go to the nth degree to uh, work out what that person um, is doing and what the job description is." So the most important thing is really being super clear on what the role is first, because otherwise, regardless of who you hire or what system you use or what company you work with, um, you're going to end up getting staff which are being put in not for the right reasons, right? You're just kind of doing it out of hope because, you know, you, you need help in the business, right? It's not the right way to go about it. Um, so that's the, the, the most important thing. Um, the second thing, and I, of course I'm biased about the way that we operate, um, but how we operate is that, you know, I'm Australian, I'm an Australian entrepreneur, um, I have Australian managers and we have offices here in the Philippines. Um, so, of course I'm biased to the idea of business owners working with a company who can understand what they require, right? There's a lot of companies in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Pakistan and all these places um, and what they do is, you know, they have the, the they have the ability to recruit talent, but they don't necessarily have the ability to communicate with you and understand what you what you need on a strategic business level. So um, that's kind of important. Now, a lot of people um, in the idea of offshoring outsourcing know that they could, you know, hire a staff directly for you know six seven dollars an hour, and uh, and it's it's cheap, right? It's cheap, but it's like anything in this world. You get what you, you get what you pay for. Um, so if you spend an an extra few dollars an hour working with a company who's going to guide you and work closely with you, you know the staff are working from a secure office, you know with computers and you know we've got four internet lines in, in, into our offices, etc. Because um, you really want to have that contingency in place. If the staff doesn't work out for some reason, you've got a backup system. You've got people you can communicate with. 
Um, so, you know, I really think it is important, um, especially if you've never done it before. Um, and for most small businesses, you know, they're really only ever going to need a handful of offshore staff and then they're not needing, you know, an office with 20 people or 50 people. Um, if you need 20 or 50 people, it's a, if it's, it's a different game. You know, you might want to investigate setting up your own office in the Philippines. Um, but if you kind of need anything less than 15, it's really not worth it. You're better off just working, um, uh, working closely with a, with a company who knows what they're doing. So you stay good at what you, you do and work with a company who's, who's good at what they do. Um, so that's a, that's a, yeah, uh, probably the, a, a couple of the, of the biggest things. On a more personal level and a more day-to-day -day operational level, um, where we see a lot of people go wrong is in their communication, right? Now, I'm assuming most people listening to this, Brian, are from Australia. Is that right? Correct, yeah, majority. Right. Now, I don't know if you realise this, but Australians don't speak English very well on a world scale, right? And this is something you see when you've lived overseas for, for 15 years, that Australians actually don't speak English very well. So um, when Australians go into the scenario of working with a, a team offshore, they all speak English here in the Philippines, right? But it's not Australian in English. Australian, in Australia, we have our own version of English, which pretty much nobody else really understands. So when, you know, it, it's pretty easy for people to uh, have miscommunications with people from the Philippines and then blame the other person. So what I would say about that is really be... Uh, you know, slow down your communication and really be aware of how you are communicating and really take responsibility for that um, because that is probably the, the biggest area where things go wrong and usually for no reason, right? So if communication starts to break down, then it's, this, it's kind of like this um, spiral that happens and it's purely just because of very simple miscommunications and then the business owner in Australia gets, gets annoyed and the staff's not doing their job. And, uh, and then what happens in is the person in the Philippines, if they feel like they're letting you down, if they feel like they've done a good job, they've been scolded for, you know, for not performing, um, then they tend to bury their head in the sand, right? That's the culture in Asia is they bury their head in the sand and they won't speak up about it. Um, we're able to mitigate that because, you know, we, every staff that we have has a team leader in place and that team leader's job is to be the conduit. Um, but regardless, um, it's, it's, it's really useful just to be responsible for your own communication if you're going to build a you know, global operation. Right. So one of your first tasks with your new staff is teaching them shrine, I suppose. Is that right? <laughs> not, not necessarily big. Um, it, yeah, you know, you know, like people pick it up over time, but it's just yeah. more the case that, if you have a breakdown in communication, don't just point the finger and go, okay, well, you, you, you suck, um, which is what I did for the first two years, by the way. And then I kind of stopped and realized that, uh, hang on, why have I churned through 12 staff? Um, yeah. And then when I started taking responsibility and looking at it and going, okay, well, maybe it's the way I'm communicating. It's like all of a sudden just things shifted and, and changed. And, you know, now I've got the capacity to work with hundreds, hundreds of people at a time. So. Right, now that's an interesting learning curve you've had and I think it applies. So uh, I mean, I'm particularly interested for my members who are mm. in the process of becoming franchisors, others who are franchisors, apart from obviously those who are trying to get ready to do it, um, is the benefits that they can have by using outsourcing in their own support office, their head office, so it may be providing some services to their franchisees. There may be skeleton services 
but of the nature you're mentioning so that they can monitor some of the things because the philosophy that Jim Penman from Jim's mowing always had was I want my guys pushing a lawnmower all day, not spending their time on admin. Yeah. So the opportunity, for example, to have a, a, a network of uh, VAs, if you like, um, within an organisation like yours that can supply that sort of skeleton support. Is that something that's, that's feasible? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, look, again, it really comes down to the, you know, the specifics of the role, specific of the task. Um, but, yeah, look, regardless of whether it's offshore or not, you know, I think it's a useful exercise for, for companies, organisations to be thinking on that level. Um, you know, how can they just focus on the, on the core things and, and, and give away the, the menial activities? So, um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. You know, to, to, to run a team, um, over here or, you know, in, in any BPO, which is business process outsourcing, that's the technical term, mm-hmm. um, center, um, then, you know, it's a, it's a very useful exercise. So to kind of, you know, give you an, give you an idea, um, you know, we work with a, a company in the financial planning space, you know, and they work with, um, franchises of, um, uh, of uh, of the financial planning, also in real estate as well. So real estate's another one where you know we work with a company who have multiple offices, um, and they have a team of staff here, and you know that team is kind of working across multiple offices as well. Um, so yeah, it's quite easy to do as long as we identify the process-driven tasks that the the staff are working on. Right. So the better systemized, the better. The better your operations manuals are, the more the more simple it is to do it. So it leads to an obvious question. You're talking about this. I'm sure everyone is licking their lips and saying, "I can't wait to get started on this. Let's give it a try." Let's have a look at these low-hanging fruit. What can you expect? You know, what's the sort of cost? What are they likely to save? I suppose, apart from obviously their own time that you've already mentioned, which is yep. the biggest saving. What would you say? I'm sure that you're well versed in that. Yeah, look, that's the you know it's it's probably the the biggest motivate the biggest motivation for for people. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned before, you kind of get what you pay for. Um, if you want to really do things properly, um, and like again, it depends on the role, because um, things like admin or social media, as an example, you know, like to get somebody in Australia, not super expensive. You know, like well, you know, you might pay. Let's say you're going to pay fifty thousand. 50,000 a year in Australia for somebody's a salary. You're likely to pay here in the Philippines, you know, including the office, including the overheads, including, you know, even a company to work with, you're looking at around about 20 to 25,000. So on something administ- administrative, you, you quite easily save 50%. Um, on technical skills, right, we work with, um, uh, you know, web, de- soft- software companies, um, who have web developers, you know, uh, software engineers here in the Philippines. We work with, uh, architects and engineers who have, you know, drafts people and, and, um, uh, and engineers working from here. On those types of things, you can save, you know, 70, even up to 80% of the, of the salary. Um, on, on most work that we do, which is, you know, admin, customer service, um, which is really the easier things to think about outsourcing. Sure. Right. Um, then you could expect to save fifty percent every day of the week. Um, you know, you do have to allow, I guess, for a little bit of um, inefficiencies. But you know, in that, if you had somebody working from your office in Australia, um, you know, you're kind of monitoring them, them, and you know, you can kind of 
you know, get a high level of productivity. Not to say you don't get high level of, of productivity here, um, but because you're communicating through, you know, online channels, etc., sometimes there's a little bit of lag time in communication. So you might lose 10% productivity as a general, as a general rule. Um, you know, it's just through being online. Um, but still, you know, you're paying 20 to 25 grand instead of 50 to 60 grand. Right. Okay. Sounds compelling. And, and you've got your management structure in place as far as you were saying. You've got team leaders and supervisors and so forth. So mm. that takes care of all that. So tell me one, one thing that does pop well, up. So I'll, I'll just point out, sorry, just to cut you off there. Another yeah. thing to mention also is, um, the things that makes it easier is you don't have to worry about payroll, paying ta payroll taxes, superannuation, um, um, annual leave. You don't, so you don't have the administration of, of, of all those things, right? Um, you also have lower over, overheads for your office, um, internet, electricity bills. Um, so, you know, there's, there's those things and quite often a lot of the, a lot of the time, um, those things are real, real costs, right? So as an example, if you had had an office and you you know you had a small office space and you had six staff working out of there and you were growing you know you're building a custom customer base and you're growing in business right you're going to now need to expand and you're going to need an office for 20 people that you can grow into right um, maybe you could get the next two or three staff offshore and then you don't need that co commitment of getting a new lease you know, paying you know three months in advance. You know, for for the you know for that, um, you know, it makes it a lot simpler. It really leans out the administration and the overheads of what you've got locally as well. So, you know, beyond the saving just on the salary, um, you've you've potentially got savings on the administration and 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 office. That's a good point. I haven't thought of. It's actually very very relevant, particularly the rental costs and so on. So, um, yeah. one other thing, um, there's a couple of things that pop up, and from personal experience talking to others. In the Philippines, the time difference. How do you handle the time difference? If I start work here at eight o'clock in the morning or nine mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning, how do you handle that with the two hours or whatever the difference is between here and there? Yeah, look, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, working with the Philippines, the Philippines working with Australia is that there's only a two hour time difference. So there's three hours, you know, on the East Coast states with daylight savings. Um, but the staff here will work according to the Australian hour. So if you need them to work nine to five, um, then they'll start at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. here and they'll finish at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So they will work according to, to, to that. Um, obviously, it becomes a lot more difficult if you're working with, you know, you're trying to work with um, offshore remote staff from South America or even Eastern Europe or whatever. That then becomes um, a little bit uh, more difficult. Um, but dealing with the Philippines, super easy for Australians. There's just, there's basically zero, um, uh, you know, the, there's zero downside, you know, with the time zone. So Right, so they're used to it. It's a fact of life and they, yep. that's what they understand. The other thing is holidays. I've noticed there is a myriad of public holidays of all shapes and sizes. Mm. <laughs> how, how do you address that? Um, yeah, so, so, look, so look, it's, um, uh, I mean, that's the great thing about working with a company like us is that, you know, we kind of take care of, care of all that. Um, however, um, this is the the difference in working with somebody as a freelancer um, and working with a company, right? So all of our the people that we the staff that we have, they're employees of the company here. So we have to abide by the labor laws in the Philippines. Um, what we do with all of our clients is we basically have it mapped out. You know what holidays are you know going to be worked and not worked. Um, 
essentially it's the same as Australia, right? You pay for, if you have somebody, you know, working with you for two years, you pay them for 52 weeks of the year and they're, you know, entitled to a certain amount of annual leave. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing. So if you were to engage a staff through a company like us, you pay us for 52 weeks of the year. Um, the staff are entitled to, you know, um, uh, at the most it's 15 days annual leave. So it's basically half of what you get in, in Australia anyway. Um, and then if you require them to take extra time off, like, you know, our um, engineering partner companies, they take three weeks off at Christmas. One week of that is included in their annual leave, right? And then the company is willing to, you know, um, to cover the the other two weeks. But that's almost like a bonus, you know. It's like a, you, you know, it's a, it, you know, the, what they're saving is seventy percent on salaries, so it's not really a big yeah. deal to pay pay the staff, you know, for for two weeks leave at the at the end of the year. It's just it's not a big deal for for any of our clients. Um, so yeah, if you as long as you're viewing it in the same way that you would view it in Australia, um, you know, um, then you know you you really shouldn't come unstuck because if you hire somebody in Australia, you've got to pay fifty two weeks of the year. They get four weeks annual leave, you know, for, for various reasons, um, and that's just a fact of life, and it's just a fact of life here. Right, I'm with you. Okay, excellent. I, I really appreciate the detail you got into there. That's uh, that's invaluable. So um, now. How can people contact you? Um, I provide this information for, for people to have a channel through. Monty. What's the best way they can contact you? Plus, before you give me that, you did mention you had a, a, a free gift you could make available to people who've um, who've been good enough to listen to the. Uh, yeah, look. Uh, yeah, look. The, uh, I mean, yeah, look. The 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 best thing to do is to get in contact. Look, um. This is this is probably a good good test as well. Um, if people send me an email directly, which is uh, Monty, so M O N T Y at easyva.com. Now, easyva is spelled E Z Y V for Victor, A for Alpha dot com. Um, so that's Monty at easyva.com. If people send that to me, it'll be seen by uh, one of my VAs, um, and we'll we'll shoot you through um, uh, we'll shoot you through the ebook. Right, which is, um, yeah, really kind of going into a lot more detail uh, about this about this topic and how businesses can really start to think about scaling by using by using remote teams. What works, what doesn't work, etc. Um, it's only a small ebook. It's like I think it's you know twenty four pages or something, um, just designed to give a, a good overview and a good snapshot. Um, and then off the back of that. If people feel like it's right for them, or even if they want to have a conversation sooner rather than later, um, we can set something up via email. Um, I like to get a little bit of information about people's businesses first, um, you know, and potentially what they're looking for. So, you know, if it's me doing a call, or if it's one of my guys, um, we can come in prepared to the call, and we can really make something of value of a thirty-minute conversation, um, and really kind of dig into. Um, into the business and really look at the nuts and bolts of, um, you know, the, I guess start to un unpack and what does what the roles look like um, because every business's circumstances are different um, and we're really really honest about saying about what works and what doesn't work. Um, we we really don't want to put people into this a scenario or if we don't think it's going to work for them because it's just going to you know we only make our money from having long term permanent staff in place so that's really what we're looking to do and if it's not right we'll point people in the right direction we'll say all right well maybe you should prepare this maybe you should you know think about doing it doing it this way 
um, you know, at the end of the day, if we can just add value to somebody through a conversation, they'll end up coming back to us in the long run. So, and look, Monty, uh, you may not know, but that's why I'm talking to you because you were recommended to me by one of my mentors that I really respect, and uh, he said, Brian, you can trust this man. So, and yeah. um, I can re refer to that. So, one last question: <laughs> what, what did you do at eight years of age when you became oh. an entrepreneur? <laughs> Mate, um, interesting, yeah, interesting background. I grew up on a boat in Sydney Harbour, and a lot of people think that you know, growing up, growing up on a boat is because we were rich. Um, you know, most people think you grow up on a yacht, and you know, it's like a hundred and fifty foot so super yacht. No, it was kind of like a tray, a caravan on water, basically. Um, so you know, from a young age, I was always you know trying to figure out for myself how to how to get ahead. Um, so at eight, I put. I made up little handwritten uh, flyers and I put them in sandwich bags and put them on the boats in the harbour, offering to clean the waterline of the boat. So you know, the scrubbing the seaweed and the barnacles off the off the edge of the boat. Um, so that's what I was doing at eight years old, and that business kind of it boomed, and I couldn't you know I couldn't deal with it. I was I was only eight years old, and I'm in a six foot dinghy doing backbreaking work, scrubbing barnacles. Um, so it didn't last very long. But it was the thing that planted the seed for me that, you know, if I took action on something, if I really wanted something for myself, you know, like making some pocket money, um, then it was really up to me. And, you know, it was just from that time that, you know, I, I've always been an entrepreneur because that just planted the seed. So, Monty, thank you very much. That's inspiring as well. And I think listening to you has been an inspiration. I should definitely get a copy of the book. Whilst I'm familiar with the use of outsourcing, um, I can't wait to get a copy. I'll actually be browsing that over the holidays. So, uh, I recommend it anyone else here does that. Do you have any closing words? Anything you say, ah, Brian didn't ask me this or I forgot that? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Um, look, you know, if I can just reiterate, you know, something and that's just, um, you know, this can really, really work for, for businesses. Um, if it's done properly. So it's really not a matter of rushing. It's really a matter of, you know, preparing everything, doing your homework properly, because that's how businesses should be run anyway. Um, so yeah, that would, uh, you know, that would just be what, what, what I say. Planning, planning, planning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, look, I, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, Monty, thank you. And I hope everyone else has as well. I, I've certainly picked up some great information, some great knowledge that I'll be sharing with my team. And, uh, if anyone listening has got any questions or, or comments, as I say, get in touch with me. I'll introduce you to, to Monty, although you've got his um, his email address there, monty at easyva.com, or you yep. can obviously Google the website and find yep. out. So, and if, if people can just mention in the email that they've, uh, you know, listened to the show, that would be super valuable as well. So we know to, we know to look after you, so. Really appreciate that. So, yes, it's closing this franchise radio show. It's the place to be for franchisors and those wishing to franchise their business. I can't wait to talk to you next time when we have another interesting and exciting guest for you. Goodbye, everyone.